Hello, and welcome to Candid Conversations, a podcast that seeks to spark critical thought and explore the intersections between faith and our world. In this episode, I talk to Diana Goma and Bob Pondo about faith and politics. Guys, welcome. Because you guys are fantastic. You're doing amazing work. Let's start with Diana. Diana is like one of the best writers I know locally. I love reading your work. And I always tell her that, you know, even when she tweets, I'm just like, oh, gosh, when I grow up, I want to be as wise as Diana. So, yeah, I'm super excited to have you. I love your work. And I'm hoping more and more people get connected to you and and your work. And, you know, uh, so this won't be your last time on Candid Conversations. Just so you know. I hope not. <laughs> cool. Uh, and we have Bob. Uh, Bob is my guy, you know, uh, fantastic guy. I love Bob. Now, let me tell you one one funny thing about Bob. Bob is that Malawian guy who just wakes up and says, today I want to break the internet. And then he tweets something. Then it has 300,000 likes and views. Guys, like, that's insane. Dude, how do you do that? <laughs> I need to know how you do that, you know, because yeah, Bob, I, I think it's just like Bob being Bob. He just wakes up and like, yeah, okay, today let's do like 300,000 likes. And it just happens, man. Uh, but no, that aside, Bob is is a great guy. He's, um, you know, we go to church together. <laughs> we go to church together. He's a, he's a business person. He's a farmer. But most interestingly for me, he's been quite engaged in the uh, political dynamics, you know, um, over the last few months. By the way, for those who are joining us, maybe we're not from Malawi. Uh, we we are in Malawi, and the context of Malawi is we just had like what can I say? Probably the biggest story in Africa right now, or global politics. You know how you know we had fresh elections, and we just saw like this huge movement of you know people, predominantly young people, really uh, taking charge, holding the previous government accountable, and then we had a fresh election, and you know, so it's it's been an amazing journey. So welcome, guys. Welcome, Diana. Welcome, Bob, and welcome to everyone who's joining us here on Zoom and those who are watching on Thank Facebook Live. Uh, great to have all of you on the show so let me stop talking and hand over to the wise people because that's the whole idea you invite people who are wiser than you so that they can talk you know so let me let let me hand over to 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 maybe dan and bob just to say hi and then we're gonna get straight into it so over to you guys just say hi uh maybe introduce yourself a little bit better than i did because I'm terrible at introductions. And then, you know, uh, we, we're going to dive straight in. Cool. Um, I'm Diana, as you've said already. I am a digital creative and Diana, urban. You can go first. Already ahead of you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I'm a digital creative, an urban missionary, I like to call myself that. Um, and just, um, I love having conversations about faith and how it intersects with every part of life. And I really feel like that's where um, I want to spend a lot of my time and my effort. Um, I work with Young Life Malawi, which is an incredible organization that works with teenagers um, and 
Um, so when I'm not writing or doing any creative work, podcasting, YouTubing, that's what I'm doing. Um, and so I love engaging the culture. I love um, that social media has made it accessible to have um, various conversations with people like this, you know. Um, yeah. And so thank you for having me. And um, yeah, Bob and I know each other very well. Uh, and we've had conversations like this on and off uh, offline. So it's really good to bring this in the public space because on some level these are conversations that we're having um in our own personal spaces um yeah awesome uh bob over to you to say hi Uh, Bob, seems like uh, you're showing, but uh, you know it's kind of static. Are you are you there? All right, seems like we've lost Bob for a second. Um, all right, so let's do this uh, so that we can still continue bob will try figure out his connection and then let's let's dive straight into the conversation i want to start this off uh with you diana and you know uh you recently wrote an article yeah and it was titled is the president our pastor now i read that and i was like yes this is the content I'm here for, you know, it was it was a, a pretty dope article, and I've said it before. I really love your work, and you know, I, I think it it kind of sparked um, also the motivation behind having this conversation today because I felt you really captured a lot of you know the untold or the unsaid thoughts that a lot of people have been having, a lot of questions, and I, I and I, I want to applaud you for having the courage to 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 start that conversation because like you're saying these are conversations that happen in a lot of private spaces but you you brought it to your public space and i know a lot of people have been engaging with that so i just want to give you some time to talk about that uh let's have that conversation let's talk about what you wrote what, what was the inspiration behind it and maybe share what you wrote because maybe some people here might not have read the article so let's start from there and just uh, you know dive right in and, and talk to us about that sure um so i recently uh, wrote a blog titled is the president our pastor um as you've said already and it's currently on my website um i am not a goddess.com and it's the first post you're going to find there and it's really lengthy so i don't know if i'm i'm not going to be able to get into all of it but really the heart of it is um had come from the various conversations i had seen uh my christian friends and like um, the, the title itself is a play on the tag that most people were using on social media, which is my president is a pastor, which is kind of like a bragging right of some sort to Christians. Um, and on the other hand, you had a lot of people, uh, whether be it, uh, I don't want to categorize Christian and unchristian, but rather I think people who don't share the same enthusiasm as um, everybody else, um, whether bit because they're from other faiths or because they're brave enough to critique a system they're part of, uh, saying, hey, like, our president is a pastor, but is that even really a good thing? Um, and so that 
that article was born out of those conversations. And what I really felt was that both sides, sometimes whenever Christians are criticized for something, we're quick to be defensive and we are quick to listen. Um, and, um, and so that was kind of born out of that, like uh, coming from a perspective of, okay, I want to listen to the concerns that people have. And I want yeah. to actually help communicate to my fellow Christians the, the valid concerns that people have. Um, because I think sometimes it's easy to hear things from your own camp. Um, so that kind of uh, comes from there. But also the hope for me is to continue to reconcile, um, to reconcile and bring together people who would uh, not have similar thoughts, not be reading the same things and saying, instead of polarizing one another, how about we have conversations? Because a lot of people, especially in our country, um, identify themselves as Christians and oftentimes feel like they're cornered into positions where they have to choose either being Christian or being dash, dash, dash. So yeah. either being a Christian or criticizing our pastor president, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my thing was kind of like, what if you don't have to choose? And so, which is why I kind of, kind of argue for both sides to some extent. Um, and then another part of that um, article was born out of our pastor saying, not our pastor, our president, <laughs> our president, <laughs> I want to make that clear. Our president saying he really felt that God was calling him um, to a different kind of pastoral leadership, which is to pastor the nation. And those are, are his words that he said in an interview, and which I personally don't believe he meant it literally, um, which I argue in the article that I don't think it's possible. Theologically, I really struggle to see how one can pastor a nation, you know, uh, when we look at what a pastor does. So I don't think a president, I think he's well learned enough um, I know he's a studied man and I know that he probably did not mean it literally. Um, and so the the article was really born out of that, um, that discourse that I'd seen different camps and I kind of wanted to find a middle ground. And one of the most important statements I feel like I made, uh, really not just for the article, but really for how I approach things, uh, was the fact that I am somebody who loves the church and is part of the church and um, is a participant, an active participant in religious systems, you know, and um, because of that, um, my critique of it comes from a place of love. Um, mm. And I, I, that's the one thing I never want my voice to be confused for, uh, to, to think that, because sometimes you can say things and Christians think, are you like losing your way? You don't sound like <laughs> one of us anymore. Yeah, <laughs> You're backsliding and stuff like that, but I'm always I always want to be clear that everything comes from that place of yeah. uh, wanting to um, critique um, our own systems because who who best is going to critique us than us, right? Yeah. Um, there's a quote that I ha- I have in the article by Richard Rohr, who's um, a Catholic father and just incredible theologian that I love, but he says one of the sins of conservatives, um, and in this case, he was referring to conservatives in the US, I think that was the context, but which is really more of like people who have, most of the times have religious reasons for maintaining conservative politics. And he was saying one of the sins that we have is our lack of courage for critiquing our own systems because we confuse um, loyalty to systems to loyalty to God. And I think we are, almost at that place as Christians in Malawi, because we're at this very confusing place of like our 
um, our leader is a man of God, but the position he holds is not a position that requires him to be a pastor, you know? And so I'm not saying that he stops being a man of God because he's a president, but really it could be confused for anything that would critique him. We always have to remind ourselves that we are not critiquing the pastor, we're critiquing the president. Because I know people are very yeah. weird about yeah. criticizing their pastors and people in positions of power. Um, and so I think there's, there's that part of the conversation to say we should not confuse the fact that our president is a religious man to, to say he is either our mascot, our, you know, religious mascot. Like, yes, Jesus, he should preach Jesus at every speech that he does. And then on the other side, we should also not confuse that every Christian should be on Jacare's side because he's a pastor. I think that's a very yeah. unfair and unrealistic expectation. Um, and so those are kind of some of the things I talk about in the article, um, as well as the place of Jesus in all of this, which I think oh, yeah. is, is more important. The fact that I think Jesus came to build a kingdom and not an empire. And I think therein lies the, the heart of the problem, right? When we try to make Jesus king of an empire, and by empire, I mean like the systems of this world that we build. So whether be it politics or um, business or wanting Jesus to have political influence in the empire sense, like build systems that are centered around Jesus versus Jesus came to establish a kingdom in which um, um, the triune God is king. And that kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, it's a heavenly kingdom. And so most of the times it means our priorities should not be focused on gaining power. Like we shouldn't be obsessed with gaining power uh, which I think sometimes causes us to miss the point of Jesus, not to say we shouldn't be concerned with having any form of power. I think there's ways in which we can redeem power and influence, yeah. but like sometimes we have our priorities off. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there for now, because as I said, the article is long. There's so many things I touch on and yeah. I'd really like recommend people to read it for a more comprehensive, you know, expression of those thoughts. Fantastic. Uh, man, uh, there's just so much uh, that you talk about, which is which is fantastic. It is on way. And I just want to bring you back. Um, I think there's that aspect of, um, you know, being able to hold our own systems accountable. And I really love the quote that you gave around that. And I think I think I find it to to be an issue that we need to grapple with a conversation we need to have, and I think we need more people to have the courage to begin to do what you, what you've been doing. I mean, and a lot of other people have been starting to do to really just start, you know, having the courage to put out their thoughts out there because I think that's one of the ways we we start really, you know questioning things and really just holding ourselves accountable because I, I, I honestly feel like over the years, you know, we, we've lost a lot of, um, you know, uh, potential to, to hold ourselves accountable by muzzling any voice that seems to, to contradict, you know, popular thought or is not going along with, 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 with the flow. Um, I see Bob just joined in uh, because this connection is a bit, you know, uh, shaky. Let me, Ask Bob yeah. to jump in. I'll, I'll come back to you, Diana, because there's still a lot of uh, yeah. things that I want to ask you to, to talk about. But Bob, uh, I want you to come in. Um, we, we missed you when we were doing the intro, so I guess you can just, you know, maybe introduce yourself a bit more as you, as you 
as you start, but then also maybe yeah. just to, you know, uh, dive into a conversation around, you know, you, you have been quite involved in the, in the political discourse recently. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, I, I've known you for a while and I, I do know that you were disengaged. I only then realized how engaged you were over the last couple of months. And, and man, I, I, I salute you for that because I think it takes a lot of courage to engage. Um, and so I just want you to talk about that a bit, you know, because there's always those questions around how do we reconcile being believers and, you know, oh yeah, like the famous verse, we are, you know, we are not of this world. But then we, we, yeah. we always want to end there and not read all of it because it says we're not of this world, but we've been sent into the world. So, so there's kind of that, you know, it's like a paradox really, right? Uh, but then, so there's always a lot of talk around, you know, um, what level of involvement, you know, and you being a young person, being a believer as well, you really got engaged and you were, you know, uh, doing a lot of work. So I just want to... Uh, ask you to you know introduce yourself but talk a bit about that what drove you to get involved uh, why was it important for you as a young person to be involved and then i want to add another question to that just uh leveraging on what diana has been talking about um why why were you that involved with chakwera was it because you know he's he's a christian or you know what, what was what was the thinking behind all that so you so yeah uh feel free to to just dive in and share what you you're comfortable sharing about your whole involvement in that yeah uh thank you thank you so much jason uh, i appreciate that and i'm happy to be here apologies for my bad network i had to change devices to be able to to come back so thank Harold you for being says patient your with network me is corona. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, now, now, now I'm, I'm using like a terrible, terrible device, but uh, at least I should be here. I think the participation matters more. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, yeah, thank you so much. I, I was just one of the few people that were privileged to be part of uh, the campaign. Um, I think what uh, dropped me so much was uh, I used to be, I think I'm, I'm naturally political i think I, I i can say that i but i was not this very much involved uh in the last uh, obviously because also i was out of the country so but then this time uh with everything that was happening i was like i'm not longer going to be a social media activist when it comes to the issues of politics because these are things that directly affects us you know i'm, I'm a young person who is involved in business uh, i also have a full-time job i have a family so you, you see that issues of governance affect us directly. For example, I, if let's say as a business person, you have to import something, yeah. you know, or you have to have certain papers, uh, uh, or you need to register some stuff with uh, government bodies and stuff like that. Uh, you, you get affected by that system if it's not in order, you know. So uh, even to do with your family, you know, there's issues of uh, education with your kids and stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, if this is an engine that actually affects me directly, uh, what am I doing by being passive? You know, uh, we, we, for a long time, I've been part of the group that just complains, you know, like on social media, we don't like this, the government is doing this. But that kind of noise, in as much as it has an effect to an extent, but it doesn't really uh, uh, help much if, if, if we are leaving that stuff to certain people or to certain group of people, or if we demonize politics altogether, 
So I was like, uh, to, I'm going to participate to the degree that I can. Because obviously I'm not like part of, uh, part of any uh, uh, party officially in that sense. And the committee of the parties and stuff like that. But I was like, uh, I'm going to make myself available. Uh, so the good thing is, uh, Chauncey Alliance was very open to young people. Uh, we, we were invited in to be part of the branding team. Uh, so that was very good. Uh, and uh, we, we actually, <laughs> you'd be so amazed to, to, see, to know that there was a bunch of young people that were involved, like a lot of young people that were involved. We are over 20 of us uh, that did that whole, the branding for that whole campaign from the beginning to the end. So for me, it was just a matter of, okay, I need to take part in this uh, to whatever degree I can do this. Uh, this change that I really want to see in this country, I want to be part, be part of making sure that we realize that change. Yeah, so that was actually the heart behind it. Uh, and I had to, I know if, even when we were working, there were some people that obviously wanted to keep it anonymous and stuff like that, and I respect that and I understand. But for me, I was like, I'm going to go out. You know, I'm going to use my resources. I, I'm going to use my social media platform to advocate for this change that we're all driving towards. So that was the heart. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. I, I think I, I love what you said about, you know, at some point you had to make the decision to say, I'm not just going to sit back and talk, um, but I, I'm going to get involved. And, and for me, you know, you got involved in that way, but involvement looks very different for a lot of people. For some, I think their way of, of involvement was maybe going to vote. Yeah. Um, I know a lot yeah. of people were talking about this was their first time to actually vote. In the last election, they were registered, but they didn't vote, you know? So I, I saw a lot of that and, and I found that to be to be quite inspiring. Now, I want you to answer this question, Bob. Um, yeah. Your involvement, obviously, with uh, uh, the the now president, Chakwera, and, you know, doing yeah. the branding for that. Uh, I mean, feel free to, to answer this if you're comfortable. Um, was it your, your, cho your choice of, you know, participating? Was it influenced by the fact that, oh, I know this guy, you know, he's, he's my pastor, <laughs> like Deala is saying, you know? Uh, or was it, was it more than that? Was it because you resonated with what maybe he stood for, what he was, you know, what was his manifesto and stuff like that? So I just want to hear your thinking around that as well. Thank you. Um, thank you for that. That's a very good question, actually. Um, for me, it was not mostly because my president is a pastor. Uh, <laughs> and I thank God he is. <laughs> thank God he is. Um, for me, it was mostly to do with uh, the agendas of he, the, what he was presenting resonated with me. And also his principles as a person. Uh, I think I, because I, uh, my wife goes to uh, uh, comes from the church that he, he, he was pastoring and he was a president he was a president of assemblies of god so i've come from there so i've been attending that congregation for a while so i know of him in that sense and uh, he's someone that uh when they're in the position of leadership i can trust you know their their uh their work has been tasted and tried you yeah. know over time and so i know if he says certain things on the podium he's a man that can uphold that you know so so in as my, you, you might be surprised actually if I tell you right now I am an, uh, I'm, I'm, I voted for Tonsil yeah? but I came in as uh, someone who supports MCP, uh, whose president is Dr. Lazarus Chabot. But I am not the type of person who says that 
whatever MCP does, I'm going to ride with it. I can say that publicly. Because uh, years back, when Bingo was starting off, I was, I was for Bingo because of what he was standing for. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, for no, example, totally if, if, if let's say, let's say uh, uh, the agendas for MCP uh, go sideways, and I don't agree with it anymore. I'm not going to wear you know, the, the party colors just because, you know, uh, trying to be to say that I'm an MCP person. No, I stand with MCP now because of what it represents now. You understand? I'm not trying to say that I'm a flip-flopper who will just move from one party to the other. But I, I look at the manifestos. I look at the people in MCP now, you know, and then I look at the person who is leading the team right now. It makes a lot of sense. It resonates with what I believe in, you know. Uh, so that was, that's, that's my stand when it comes to, to why I made the decision to, to, uh, to vote for Dr. Laza Shakira, to be vocal about it, uh, because one is someone I can trust. Uh, one, I, the work I've seen, you know, he's been tested and tried. The one I see, if he speaks word on the podium, I know he's going to uphold it because of how much I've known him. Mm -hmm. So it comes really from that. Yeah. Awesome. So the religious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from, from what you're saying, Bob, I pick a lot of, um, yeah. I think one of the key things you're highlighting is that yours is not a blind allegiance, but it's really based no. on the issues. This is what I believe in. This is uh, what yep. I believe this party yep. is standing for, and I'll, I'll go with that. Um, and and I, I think that's, that's an important lesson, because as we talk about people engaging more around believers who are asking questions like, you know, how do I reconcile my faith maybe with the different manifestos? Because you'd find in each party yep. they have their own manifesto. There are things that you're not going to agree with. Yep. You know, um, so so I think I, I've had a lot of people ask that question to say, oh, but I can't vote for this one because they are against A, B, C, D. But then when you go to the other side, they might be for those things, but they are also against A, B, C, D that you don't agree with. So I think it's always critical to 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 have that open mind to understand that uh, you might not get the full package, but that doesn't mean your allegiance is blind and just go with the flow. But then you also need to have your stand. And you know, stay yeah. true to what you believe in, which I think is is quite key uh, as we think through how do we engage our faith and and get involved in politics. Now, just I want to pause you there, Bob, and I want to go back to to Diana. I'm just reading through the comments uh, on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if you guys are also like checking your Facebook full feed on other devices, but uh, there is a lot of uh, interest in what she said around Jesus did not come to build a kingdom. To, Jesus came to build a kingdom, not an empire, you know, uh, and, and I think that's, that's really exciting. A lot of people are commenting on that. But then there's also another comment here uh, from someone who says, I really enjoy your perspective, and I wish this was a more prominent conversation. As an atheist, I'm not sure it's even my list to word in, but I certainly appreciate hearing the different perspectives. Now, when I saw this comment, immediately, you know, my, my response was, this is exactly why we're having this conversation. Because I, 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 I kind of get a sense of, um, you know, it's very important right now. Like you rightfully said, Diana, I think a lot of people were now maybe also becoming unsure what to expect because of the rhetoric around our president is a pastor. And maybe people who are not of the same faith, you know, they are asking the question to say, uh, are we safe? You know, uh, to, you know how, how is that gonna look look on us you know now that we have a pastor as a president you know and and, and i think there's there has been quite those um conversations going on and so just reading this 
this comment, I think it just kind of, you know, uh, made me excited to hear that, you know, uh, I think there is room for us to start having conversations that unify people and that really bring people together to say, listen, um, he might be a pastor, but then there is more at play than this. So Diana, I want, to, I want you to just jump right in and uh, talk a bit more about, because I know you write a lot uh, on the issue of Jesus not coming to establish an empire, but then also you write about, you know, the, the, the messiahship, uh, you know, the political messiahship, you know, how, you know, as, as believers, we, we kind of got to a place where we became obsessed with holding political power and, and you know, and forget that, you know, like you rightfully say, Jesus really, when he came, because the Israelites thought he was going to come build a political empire, then he comes and says, no, no, I'm here to build a different sort of kingdom. So maybe talk a bit more about that, because I feel like there's a lot of interest uh, to hear more around that. Um, yeah, um, I I want to track it back, as you've said already, to the Israelites, right? Um, I think all throughout the Old Testament, actually. And I wonder, which makes me wonder if this is just a part of like human behavior, especially for um, those of us who are believers. If you remember, um, all throughout the Old Testament, um, God was like, Israel is going to be a kingdom, and it's not going to be like the surrounding areas. And yet Israel kept on wanting we want to be like everybody else we want to have a king um a king who we can see you know a king who is not in heaven who is not mythical um and so they eventually ended up being getting a king out of their own um like out of their own request basically uh that's how they ended up having um king Saul and king david and all throughout um but from the get-go god's priority was always, I'm going to be your king. Um, And I think we see that as a trend all throughout, that we want to be like everybody else. Um, And when Jesus comes to establish his ministry and kingdom, he comes as a Messiah who was already talked about all throughout the Old Testament. But the expectation uh, with the Jews is he's the one that's going to set us free from um, the Roman Empire. You know, he's the one that's going to be our guy, you know, uh, and the pressure they were putting on Jesus is, we want you to be a political figure, a political leader, um, as it looked like in his day, right? And um, the interesting part is, I think with religion and politics will also intertwined back in Jesus's day with the Pharisees and everything. But what people really wanted was somebody to set them free um, from all their burdens right and they thought jesus is that guy and jesus often con- like corrected them and said hey i have not come to be like everybody else and i think a clear example is uh, of this is the triumphal entry before he was crucified um he comes riding in a donkey oh, yeah. and that is uh, a deliberate move to ride a donkey instead of a horse because horses symbolize political power i've come to like i want i'm a king and then donkeys symbolize peace and humility and so jesus was setting that like agenda straight to say this is the kind of leader i am i'm not coming riding on a like it says and i think it's Zephaniah says look your king comes riding a donkey um and not on a horse's back and not a chariot and i think that's such a powerful thing because one, Jesus not being a political leader that was expected put him in a position to even critique the system, 
uh, the political systems back in the day when they were not working for the people. Um, but two, like he had other priorities and that was um, to establish a kingdom in heaven and to reunite people with God and to have people um, have um, that relationship and awareness of who God is. And I think it's the same with us now, right? We've seen the trend all throughout, even politically speaking, the the connections between um, Mose and our past presidents that we've had. We are all yearning for that, like one figure that is going to be the solution to our problems. Yeah. And I think it is no different for us as Christians, uh, where we have this need, we want somebody who's going to represent us. We want somebody that's going to be awesome, which is why we even like our own Christian celebrities, right? We want people who are going to make us look cool, people who are going to fight for us, people who are going to, uh, we can look at and say, see, that person is a Christian. See, that person is uh, representing us. And I think that is a very normal thing to want. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But I think that the two things I'm going to say is, the first thing is sometimes we misplace our priorities under our heart. Um, there's something that a rapper called Odd Thomas says, um, hmm. he's from Humble Basin, he says, we don't need more um, gospel, I think it says we don't need more Christian celebrities, we need more gospel-centered churches. And he was speaking exactly about this, that sometimes we have our priorities off. Like what Jesus came is to not have us focus on like earthly things, you know, like his mission was way above, way above just being a Messiah in the political way. It was spiritual, right? That's the most important thing he was doing. And so I think with us as well, we would be missing out on so much of what God is doing when we just want our only, our only way of saving people should be through superstars and superstars take different different forms right um a president can be a superstar you know yeah, we want yeah. that person to just yeah. you know be on a point us and looking cool to the rest of the world having power over the rest of the world and that takes different shapes and forms right and so on one hand it's like it it is a normal human reaction you know um on the second on, on one part is also like of course, it's a normal human thing, but we should not miss our priority. We should not miss what actually we're called to do, yeah. which is we're in this world, but we're not of it. Like we're not working. We're not just working to establish our world kingdom. We're not just for things that perish here. You know, I think that's the one thing that makes us Christians. You know, there's that we're pilgrims. You know, we're just passing through. And with that being said, it leads me to the second thing, which is just not of the world doesn't mean we're not in it. So as much as um, I'm saying, like, let's be careful not to confuse our priorities, not to make Jesus a political mascot, um, which is, I think, oftentimes we blur the lines when we bring Jesus into politics. The lines become, oh, if you're a Christian, you should support this guy. If you're a Christian, <laughs> you should belong to this party, as we've seen in other countries. Um, yeah. But I think that that's what happens when we're wanting to gain power and influence the wrong way, which is through earthly power, which is, is there's a lot of ways in which earthly power contradicts what we believe in, you know, because oftentimes the value systems um, that the systems of the world have are different from mm -hmm. ours. You know, the value systems um, of politics could be different, you know. Uh, but the second thing I want to say is I'm also not saying Christians should stay away from politics, please. Like, that's, 
the furthest thing I'm saying, uh, I'm not saying we should not be involved in the world. Like, that's the last thing I'm saying. If, like, that, like, I hope nobody's hearing that. But the second thing is, definitely, let's be involved. We're not of the world, but we're in it. And God has given us a mandate to participate in his world. Like, from Genesis, given the mandate to, you know, work it, you know, be participate in the work of the world. Um, and part of that is being involved in politics. And referring back even to Jesus, to say, he participated even in calling out the flaws in the system. You know, he was for justice through and through. And that was his participation in the work of the world. And I think we, everybody has a, their own kind of passions and call and things that gravitate towards that inform how we want to be involved in the world. You know, for my friend Bob, that looks like getting his hands dirty and being a part of a campaign. You know, for some of us, it looks like writing and using our voice for things like that. It looks looks differently for everybody and so i i said let's participate in that work because um that is our duty but at the same time let's not confuse our priorities i think when we make when we make people into messiahs and into wanting you know wanting them to represent us in ways in which is beyond what they're supposed to do is we set ourselves up for failure so even with our president when if we're setting him up to be the person that's evangelizing before every speech or only making decisions that make us happy you know or only make decisions that we think are right as christians mm -hmm. then we're setting ourselves up for failure you know um, because that's not the role uh, of a president and with that being said i want to say of course the fact that he's a Christian means he's going to lead differently. His value system is different and he's going to have to personally reconcile what does it mean to be a believer whose value system is different, uh, servant leadership, for example. Um, for a really long time, politics has not been about servant leadership, but being a Christian and taking our place in the world means that we're coming into the spaces and we're bringing our own value system, which I think is, is what makes it interesting for, for me to have this president. For me personally, it's not, I don't think the fact that he's a Christian adds anything to me, to be quite honest, personally. But I think the fact that he's a Christian and he seems, I don't know him personally at all. Um, I kind of wish I did, because I've got a lot of questions. But um, <laughs> the fact that he, uh, maybe Bob, you can help me out there. Yeah, Bob is your plan. <laughs> but the fact that he, <laughs> The fact that he has this uh, very um, straightforward value system that we can hold him accountable to makes it very exciting because now we have an ethic that we can uphold him to as Christians and non-Christians alike and we have his words that we can hold him accountable to. Um, so I hope that like adds a little bit more clarity. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I'm not saying Christians should not be involved in, the, in whatever is happening in politics or whatever. I think we should definitely be a part of all of that, um, I think that we need more kind-hearted people in, in power. Um, and uh, But at the same time, let's have our priorities straight. Yeah. Awesome. Now, th thank you so much, uh, Diana, for, for, for coming in. You, you raised a lot of uh, key things. And I think two things that I just want to uh, link you know, as I, as I go back to Bob, uh, then I think after Bob comes in, then we, we can open it up for maybe other people who might have questions. I think you touch on two things uh, towards the end, which are really, which are really uh, the next things I wanted to talk about. You talk about, you know, the value system and, 
I was going to ask as my next question. So do we hold President Chakwera to a different standard than previous presidents because he's a Christian or because of the value system that he, he says he stands for, uh, you know? Because I've been thinking through that to say, and we, something which I think a lot of us have noted is that this new government seems to be coming in and there's a lot of expectation, you know, of things are going to change. So how do we, you know, what's the line? How, how, to what standard do we hold him? Do we hold him to a different standard than previous administrations or we maintain the same standard? And then the other, the other idea that I wanted us to touch on, Bob, you can come in about this. There's a comment that I just saw from Salome and she was saying, it's inspiring to hear your story, how you got involved, but maybe for someone who, who doesn't have you know skills like you had to offer like for branding engagement looks very different and might not be straightforward and i think diana touches a bit about that to say you know involvement like for her it's writing it's you know um sharing your thoughts that's your way of getting involved so maybe you can touch into answer questions around how do people get engaged maybe they don't have a skill like they are not a designer they are not what well, they are not connected to maybe participate at that level but at the basic level, how do uh, people get involved as well? All right, thank you. Uh, I think on the involvement part, what I would say is, um, my interface was to do with the campaign. Um, there was a level of uh, involvement that was required at the time from everyone. And for other people, like Diana was saying, uh, we were talking about voting or to be a monitor, uh, to be able to support the party that you are rooting for. In, in different ways, whether providing transport and all that stuff. So that was then because that was a seasonal campaign. Yeah. For me, I'm not even a designer. I can't design nothing. You know, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yes, I'm not even a designer. But my my participation was I, I was just I just made myself available. One of the gifts that God has given me is to be able to manage things. I manage uh, people, manage resources and stuff like that. So whether it's a sphere of politics, whether it's in agriculture, wherever you put me. I'm gonna be able to use that gift. So that, that's, what, that was my, uh, uh, that's what I did, that's how I participated in the branding team. I was just there to coordinate the team, to be able to help to manage the team that was doing the work. Does that make sense? Yeah, So, so totally. if, now that we're on the other side of elections, there are so many ways that we can participate. Right now, for example, I can give you an example of, um, uh, there's, I've, seen, I've seen an article or a notice in the newspaper where people have to contribute to, uh, uh, to the budget. You know, you have to give your own uh, views on what you want to see in the budget. I've seen that. So that's another way people like Diana, for example, can be able to write that, you know, and participate into that. There's so many ways that, uh, like, for example, what the outcry that came up when it comes to the cabinet, uh, people were writing on social media and all that stuff. And the president responded even to tweets, you know. So even your voice mattered in that, in that, in that kind of space. So in my case, for example, now I'm not even involved at the moment in any way. I've not been uh, invited to participate in, 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 in any form of government work and stuff like that. But there are many ways uh, that I, I want to make myself available. You know, like what has recently happened. Uh, I know I'm going to come together with other young people to make our contribution to, to, uh, to the budget as well and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm still gonna be vocal online. Uh, if I'm not, uh, let's say for example, I give my thoughts on the on, on the cabinet and stuff like that. So there are many ways that uh, you 
you can participate, the most important thing is just to make yourself available. That's, that's the starting place, you know. And wherever you see a door uh, opening, uh, whether they'll be calling young people to participate in different ways. I know there are several ministers that are ready to engage young people um, in, in, as they are trying to put together their ministry work. And, and you can make yourself available in that, in, in that regard. So that's what I can say in response to the question that was put on Facebook. Awesome. Thanks, Bob, for that. I love what you said about, you know, um, kind of using your gift and knowing that, you know, I have this gift of managing people, I have this gift, and well, wherever you place me, I can use that gift and really engage. And, and I think that's quite key for, for anyone who wants to get involved in any way to really look at, you know, what you have in your hand, what are you good at, um, how can you make yourself available. And, and I think, like you say, it transcends this conversation. It's really about, in, in any sphere of life, really, how do you use the gifts that you have? Because I really believe that's, uh, that's one way we can engage culture and really just look at, yeah. you know, in business, you'd call it your value proposition, right? And so, so I yep. think it's, it's, yep. it's, it's important that we always look at that to say, what, what can I offer within any given context and how can I, can I be of use? Fantastic. Um, so uh, we're going to keep on the conversation, but I want to open it up. I know there are guys who have joined on Zoom um, if they have any questions, but I know there are those that are watching on Facebook. Unfortunately, we can't link to, we can't hear the audio on Facebook, but if you can type in your question uh, on Facebook, then we're going to, you know, take questions and, and give to the guys to answer, you know, questions, comments, just put them in on the, on the Facebook live feed. Uh, but then if you are on Zoom, and you're connected via audio, you wanna put your video on, then you can also ask or you can type in the chat box. Um, I see there is, oh, I thought it was a question. It's Dali who is saying, uh, uh, so late. Yeah, we are not, we are not, uh, we're not surprised, it's okay. <laughs> wow, bro, wow. Bam. All right, I owe you coffee, bro. <laughs> I'll see you, man. I'll I need to pay you. for my sins. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I don't know if there are any questions here or we can, um, I'll be reading out anything that comes up on the Facebook feed and here as well. So as we wait for that, maybe we can dive into uh, another maybe thing that I wanted to, to chat to you guys about. Um, so we, we touched on it earlier, but we didn't talk much about it. And my concern really with with politics in general uh, i mean i'm also very political uh, my wife doesn't like that she uh, a couple of times i've said to her uh, i think i should you know go back home uh, 2023 and run for office she's like no we didn't sign that agreement when we got married so <laughs> so i still have a bit of convincing to do but that aside you know uh, that's me joking but maybe it will happen sometime i don't know uh but one of the things the challenges that i see with politics and this is not unique to, to malawi it's a global thing in fact it's even more prominent say in the us where you have politics dividing people into camps so it's either your left or your right you know i know diana you touched a bit about this you know and and how you, whichever camp you, you, you find yourself in, sort of, you know, kind of defines your worldview and, and you kind of take everything as it is. So there's that big fight between the left and the right. Of course, you see a number of moderates that are emerging, but then 
generally you're going to have people divided into those different camps. Now, my question then would be, how do we find the balance uh, between standing for what we believe in and tolerance as well? Because I think, I think one of the things I see a lot is that uh, when, you know, there are those camps, there, there tends to be quite a lot of intolerance. So, and what role does the church, and I'm talking about the church as not necessarily as the institution, you know, but us as believers, you know, um, what role do we have to play in in bringing people together? I want to call it nation healing or nation building and healing, you know, especially in the aftermath of a very turbulent political situation, which really had a lot of issues around division. You know, there was a lot of talk also around tribalism and, and all that. So, so how do we uh, you know, forge ahead, preach tolerance, and, and join people together in this time. Okay, uh, let me let me go first. Um, I think this is also something that Diana had touched earlier on, where we um, the challenge of that we face as Christians, where we tend to look to uh, politicians for solutions that has to do with our spirituality. Um, you've seen it in many ways. For example, I'll touch. I'll just go a little bit back. Uh, you you saw when the people asked Jesus whether we if we should pay the tax. So they made um, they brought in the political issue to Jesus, and he knew it, and then he answered it from a spiritual perspective by not canceling the political question. So he told them that give to Caesar belong to Caesar and give to God what belong to God, meaning to say that. Give what is expected of you from that perspective of politics. And then give yourselves to what God expects of you. You saw the same when they brought in the, the, the adulterous woman. Uh, because these guys, the, the, the Romans are taking away uh, the power for them to exercise punishment on people. So they came to Jesus with a political question. What do you think of this lady? Do we stone her? Uh, and then Jesus tackled it from a spiritual perspective. You know? And it, now these guys were no longer looking at the Roman law. and They were no longer looking at the Jewish laws. They are started looking at their hearts. So I think our standards people for us to be able to tackle the issue of division is to understand that uh, we are, as Christians, we are supposed to go out there and live our life that gives clear evidence of the gospel's transforming power. What does that mean? I, what, what, what the gospel has done to us as Christians, yeah? It has transformed our hearts. So we need to take that and exercise it in the world. So in our workspaces, uh, wherever we're serving, even in the political arena and stuff like that. So we understand that we, what Jesus teaches us is, is love, love your neighbor. It doesn't matter whether this neighbor supports a different political party. It doesn't matter whether this neighbor supports a different uh, football team or stuff like that, or it's come from a different tribe. If we go with that stand of, with that kind of change to heart, uh, a heart that is uh, informed by the gospel, we are going to be the ones now to bring light. We're the ones who are going to be the sort in the arena of politics, for example. So, so that will inform our behavior. It starts with us. So this applies to your question where you're saying that do we uphold the president to a higher standard? No, we, we shouldn't. Uh, we, but him, as, as a Christian now, we, what, what we expect from him is, like what Diana was saying, is for him to, to come in with, the, with Christian values, for example. That when he's looking, uh, he's a Christian, so when he's looking to people that are 
looking at people that are, are non-Christians, the way he's going to conduct that kind of relationship, the way he's going to build that kind of relationship is coming from his understanding of what's expected of him from him being a believer, which is to love his neighbor. So he's going to be able to exercise that and we'll be happy to see him being able to exercise that in different arenas. And that's what will help to be able to make Malai one. So he's not trying to preach uh, 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 and, and all that stuff, but he's just using that side of him, uh, his place as a Christian, to be able to factor in the unity that as a country we need. So that applies to each and every Christian, actually, uh, whether it's you, Wilson, whether it's me or anyone. So that's what will help us to build, our, to build unity in the country. That's what will help us to be able to navigate the issue, the differences, because the differences are there. It's not only politics. We, we, I'm, I'm long way, you know, there's issues. Of, uh, there's, uh, we're already in groups, like we have, we have different, we come from different backgrounds, we support different teams, you know, we come from different churches, and we like, so there's some people that have, you know, groups, even in the music industry and stuff like that, there's always these camps. So it's not only politics, but wherever we are as Christians, we need to exercise what I've been explaining. That's what will help to, to build the gaps or to build the bridges that, that are there now. I don't know if I'm making sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, totally. Thanks, thanks for jumping in on that. Diana, I want you to come in. Before you come in, actually, this is a question that has been going, and I'm glad, Bob, you touched a bit about that around. So do we hold the president to a different standard? You did touch a bit about that. And I, I see Emma, Emma had wrote about that to say, just a reminder, we had talked about it, but we, we had not really touched on it, whether we should hold, say, the president to a different standard. And I think it's also linked to Grace's question, which is quite heavy, <laughs> uh, but it's linked again to that issue of, so do we hold him to a different standard as well? You know. So yeah, uh, maybe Diana, do you wanna come in on that? Uh, before we wrap the conversation, because oh, we've just gone over our time a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, just to add on what Bob was saying, that um, there's great, always going to be distinctions um, in different spaces. You know, even as Christians, we have thousands of denominations because we can't seem to agree on how to interpret this one book, you know? Um, and so I think in every arena it's going to be the case. Um, and so to kind of just add on to what Bob has said, there's also to, to say um, individually as Christians, and I think this also ties in, in this, with the second question, say individually as Christians, I think all of us need to have our own personal ethic. Um, all of us need to have, um, lines of what we believe, lines we will not cross, um, things that we want to fight for, things that we believe constitute loving our neighbor, you know, even as we think of tolerance, how are we going to live with other people, you know, um, I think all of that is rooted in how do you define what loving your neighbor is, um, and I think we all need to have our own personal idea of um, even tolerance in itself, is that even loving, you know, if you're just you know, accom like accommodating people and not really including them. And so different mm -hmm. things like that oh, yeah. are going to be important in how yeah. we even look at our, um, our, our president, which I think this, there's a unique role in which as Christians we play in this. Um, and so I think the rest of the world, you know, like, should we hold a standard? I think it's yes and no. Like, I think, um, from what I remember, um, in the first 
the first time he ever ran as a president, I feel like there was such a strong emphasis on his him being a reverend. And then this second time, there was a more reduced emphasis on that. But we can't take away the fact that the man is a reverend and has that history um, because it's been part of, it's part of who he is. And so there's a part in which as much as we would want to separate how we hold him accountable, I don't know if it's, if it's possible because I don't think he comes into office and says, oh, the Christian hat is, you know, off, I'll put it back yeah. on, you know, I, I, I highly doubt that he does that. But I think as Christians, this is where I believe we hold such a unique position that I think, man, I hope we lean into that and take it seriously because we are the ones that can hold him up to a Christian standard because he's yeah. one of us, you know, uh, yeah. on that level. And so I think it's our responsibility whenever we believe he's acting in a way that does not live up to what a Christian should. However, this, I think, even complicates things. So say, for instance, um, if Bob believes that um, a Christian can hire um, their, um, you know, daughter to be the minister and i don't if both of us have like you know i i'm pretty sure this is like nothing that exists right um but i'm just giving that example to say even within because we have so many camps even within christianity itself there's going to be yeah. things like that where bob and i don't agree what is right or wrong for a christian to do but at the same time just by the fact that we both bob uh, myself Chakwera and any other person who identifies themselves as Christian, we owe it to this person who we identify with the same faith as to say, you are in that office and you're still holding on to that name of Christ. And so we want you to be honest, to make decisions that are loving towards people, um, all people. Yeah. Um, and if ever there's a way in which you have acted that is dishonest, according to what you have said, we should hold you accountable. And I think this decision to, to like, uh, with the cabinet is no different. Like, we're holding him accountable because he's acting in a way that we believe is, um, is not true to what he said he would do. And I think as I am holding him accountable as my president, because that is, as a citizen, it is my duty to do that. Um, but I think that it is also fair for people to hold him accountable as um, their Christian brother who said they're going to do something and they didn't. And so I think to answer that question that this person asked about the cabinet, um, you know, um, I think on the nepotism, <laughs> I, I, I mean, he has addressed it um, to say these people uh, have been hired based on merit. And I also think it's fair that we have seen this happened before um i think there's even things like uh, he said the cabinet will be made up of um 40 women and the women were made deputies um if you are like me and have been in a christian space where we have seen christian men say oh yeah like all men like men and women are equal but only women can only be less than men you know this feels very familiar you know <laughs> this feels very um, common to what most of us women have experienced in Christian spaces, that we are um, good on paper, but in practice, we're not. And so I think there's a lot of things that are valid in the concerns that people have, and people should hold him accountable. Uh, whether I think the priority should be holding him accountable because he's our president. We elected him. He has a responsibility to serve us, and he has said that with his word. But also, as Christians, we yeah, we should hold our brother in Christ up 
to a standard that he himself has said. And I think that is what is going to be important, that we don't get swayed um, or um, not swayed. I don't think that's a word I'm looking for, but that we do not um, put words in his mouth. You know, um, I'll even give an example to say, I quoted this in the article because uh, as I was writing, I went through all the manifestos, all the UTM manifesto um, and the MCP manifesto, because from what I understand, the Tonsi Alliance, they combined them, you know. Um, and as I was going through it, actually, MCP was the only one that mentioned um, equality and was a little bit more comprehensive on their definition of um Malawi, the kind of Malawi they want to build, which is one that there is equal opportunities regardless of your gender, your sexual identity, um, the various abilities that you might have and all these things. And we are holding them up. And so when, when they're acting in a way that does not align with the things that they promised, we're holding them up according to what they say and not, not things that we have put in their mouth. You get what I mean? Um, and so I think we need to be careful of that um, and be careful not to put expectations. Um, I think it comes down to, again, expectations. If we're holding yeah. him up as a Christian, are we putting fair expectations? Are we holding him up to things that he has said or not? Because if we are, we're putting words in his mouth, then that's being unfair. But if we're able to point back to say, but you said this, um, and you're not doing it, that's being dishonest, both as a president and as a Christian. Um, but I think this is why I think we can't afford to be, to make the president beyond critique because he's a Christian like us, yeah. you know? Um, that's why I think that's a unique role we as Christians play in holding our president accountable. Fantastic. Wow. Um... I mean, I, I've, I've, I've learned so much uh, just, just, just chatting with you guys and, and also just thinking through things. I had a lot of questions as well, you know, and, and I think the conversation has helped me to, to kind of be, you know, in the right frame of mind, there's a bit more understanding of the issues. Um, I mean, I, I see there has been quite a bit of feedback on, on the chat as well, uh, on Facebook and, oh yeah, Grace, your question has been answered. <laughs> uh, what you really wanted the question to be answered and if we didn't touch on your comment or question please forgive us but i i think we managed to almost capture everything that was coming out and i think my my parting shot um would be to to just you know just encourage everyone to to get engaged in any way that you can uh, uh i i love how that how you put it down inside you know it's it's both your civic duty and you know especially around holding leaders accountable holding the president accountable as well it's your civic duty but as your christian brother you also have you know responsibility to be your brother's keeper and part of that is to hold each other accountable as well you know so so i really think that that's a great parting shot so i'm just going to ask you guys to give like a 30 second you know parting shot and then we're going to close this call for today yeah so bob you want to shoot first yeah Thank you. Uh, I think as, as Christians, we, we need to remember like what was said in Romans 13, that uh, God established all government and he, he commanded us to be subject to, to subject ourselves to, to the authority of the government. And he has done this actually for our own sake, for our favor, so that uh, the Bible says that uh, if, if, if we do right, we are going to be commended for that. 
but if but if we do wrong, for example, in in a setup of a, of a government, that you end up being punished. So the government is there to protect us, and we God has established it. And if God has established a government and established a political setup, He does not expect us to be passive. There's no way God can put an establishment and put these people aside so that other people can run it. So this is an encouragement to each and every young person uh, in this country uh, that we let's get let's participate, uh, let's hold our president accountable, the people in leadership accountable. Let's pray for them as the Bible and God asks us. I mean, as God asks us through the Bible uh, to to pray for our leaders. So this is something that um, uh, that we we are depending on uh, uh, because if 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 um, our, our government is is a haywire, you've seen what happens. It affects us directly, like I said earlier on. So as 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 the citizens, let's hold our leaders accountable. As Christians, let's hold our brothers accountable. That's what I can say. Just to repeat what Diana was saying. <clears throat> Uh, Diana, over to you. Thanks, Bob. Yep. Um, yeah, I want to say, I mean, thank, thank you for creating this platform for us to talk about this. I think it's very crucial as echoing Bob's words to say, like, this is our country. You know, it's, we are the ones that have gotten to this position where we're doing this revolutionary um, thing. Um, that we have done. It is us who have done it. It's not. Um, it's not one person. It's not two people. Um, it is our us coming together and raising our voice. And I hope that this period has lit up that fire in us to not be complacent. And our participation in politics can look like being partisan. It can also look like holding our leaders accountable, which I believe now more than ever we need to be doing. And so. I just encourage all of us, young people especially, let's, let's take up our space in holding our leaders accountable. Um, and especially as Christians, we should desire to see a country where everybody's thriving and not just us as Christians. I think that's my challenge to us Christians to say, when we're seeing it, our hearts should break for all injustice, you know, yeah. and not just the injustice against us or the injustice that we have biblical validation for. And so I'd say our, my challenge to Christians is, is that, like, Malawi as, as um, the president, our two presidents would say, uh, and that includes everybody. Um, and so um, I, want, I want to see us Christians being more inclusive, uh, more listening, more humble, care about justice, participate yeah. in the work of the world, um, walk in truth, um, and walk humbly with our God, right? Um, yeah, and so, yeah, and I want to say thank you again for everybody who's tuned in and for Wilson for having this platform and just, like, inviting us over. Um, it's, it's been a really good chat. Um, I'm going to wait for Bob to give me an appointment with the president. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, awesome. Give me um, a ring the next time we come to Lilongwe. <laughs> <laughs> I got awesome. you. Okay. All right, guys. So, yeah, Bob, Diana, guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate you uh, for, for, thank for you, being on this, on this call. I really enjoyed this. And, I mean, let's let's keep the conversation going. And yeah, like Diana said, thank you to everyone who tuned in. Um, so we're hoping to be doing this every week. So stay tuned. Uh, we will announce what we're going to be talking about next. 
uh, it's going to be fire. I can promise you that. So yeah, stay tuned. Like our page, City Shakers Movement, so that you can stay tuned to what's going on. I know a couple of people have been asking me what's City Shakers. You know, I'll talk about that um, sometime soon. So yeah, watch out for that as well. We're going to have a chat just talking about that. So guys, thank you so much. Have a good night and chat to 